It's show 88 of the Rim Pro Report. This week, Lloyd Williams of Shredall and SDS in Nottingham, England. This show is sponsored by all my friends at O'Neill Software. They've got the technical support and customer service support you can count on. This includes their regional coverage in the Americas, Europe, Middle East, Africa, as well as throughout Asia Pacific as well. All around great software, wonderful support for your rim business. You can check them out yourself at O'NeillSoft.com. Let's get this going as we have another great show for you. Welcome to the Rim, Rim, Rim Pro Reports. The one and only weekly broadcast for the rim support services industry. Bustling with news, views, here's what I believe, and the latest updates. That's just them. This show is full of interesting information. Stories. Yes. Important product and service reviews. Yes. And a cast of industry characters included. Yes. <laughs> Record center operators. Shred and destruction vendors. Media and electronic vaulters. Scanners and imaging providers. Take note. This show is for you. Now, here's your host, Tom Adams. Hello, hello, it's me, and it's May. It's May already. Spring is officially here in North America, and I'm glad you're here to join us on this May spring show. I'm really glad to share this show with you, and I appreciate you taking the time to listen to it on a regular basis. Today, I am extremely excited to have Lloyd Williams of Shredall and SDS headquartered near the Sherwood Forest of Nottingham, England. Lloyd is someone who I've watched for many years, and I have to say he's one of my marketing heroes. This guy's willing to do some pretty creative stuff. He takes chances and, as a result, gets some wonderful results. I am excited to chat with him shortly and share, have him share his story with you and with me. Before we do, let's get caught up on the industry news. Iron Mountain announced quarterly numbers in the last few days. Looks like first quarter income dropped 25%. Last year, uh, Iron Mountain earned $74.5 million for the quarter. This year, only $55 million for the quarter. Total revenue was down. Iron indicated the lower paper prices reduced its quarterly revenue by $5 million. So, yeah, that's that's a leading indicator for our industry. In another Iron Mountain story, a Watertown man, John Palladium, I don't know if that's how to pronounce it properly, Palladium, DGM was charged in federal court with allegations that he stole more than 1.1 million from Iron Mountain. This gentleman, John, is 34 years old, was formerly a sourcing manager for Iron, according to allegations. He used a company credit card to make unauthorized purchases and take cash advantages, advantages, take cash advances that totaled about $1.1 million. He then took actions to hide the unauthorized charges and to ensure that the bills were paid. He was charged with 10 counts of wire fraud. If convicted, he could face up to 20 years in prison, a $250,000 fine, and a full forfeiture of all the proceeds of his crimes. How do people not think they'll get caught doing this? As the first quarter ends, 79 organizations have joined NAID. That's pretty cool. One of the largest quarterly growth numbers to date. Of the 79, 10 were in Asia, one was from Canada, and three were in Europe. So that's really good stuff. Last year, NAID signed up 251 new members, just 13 jive 2010 numbers, and 50 more than in 2009. At its current rate of growth, NAID is on course to surpass last year's numbers even. Heading into the second quarter of 2012, NAID has already added 20 more 
more new members and continues to do so at a steady rate. Congratulations to Nade on that growth. Uh, Les Eitscheidt resigned from the Nade Board of Directors soon after his election as secretary. Les was returning to a job in the healthcare management field. The Nade Board has replaced him with longtime Nade member John Misrobian. Congratulations to both on their new roles. Hey, that's it for the news from my end that at least I could tell and see in the wires this week. If you've got any news, I'd love to hear from you. Send them my way so I can pass them on during the show. Don't forget the PRISM conference in the next couple of weeks. And, you know, that's uh, that's a really important one. I'm going to be there, and I, I would love to see you there at the conference. Now I'm going to get Lloyd Williams on the line to talk to him. So hang on for a second. <laughs> It's a great pleasure for me to introduce to you Lloyd Williams, Managing Director of Shredall and SDS based in Nottingham, England. More importantly, Lloyd is my marketing hero, and I think he's one of the geniuses in the industry. Lloyd, are you there? Yeah, I'm here, Tom. Nice to talk to you. Yeah, nice to have you on the RIM Pro Report. I'm extremely grateful uh, you've taken the time to be here with us and to share your story with us. So let's go back to the beginning. How did you get started in the records and information management business? Okay, I'm, I'm one of these uh, strange people who, who started at the back and is working my way to the front. We, uh, we, st- we started off as pioneers of mobile shredding in the UK, and uh, we, we were the second mobile shredding company. I more or less started as kind of white van man. I don't know if you, if you have white van man over in the States, but... Um, I used to rent a van, and yeah. then some guys I knew uh, had bought a mobile shredder, and they wanted to get this get this vehicle moving. So uh, I used to we made a deal, and I used to sell it in in three cities around the local area where I am in Nottingham, Leicester, and Derby. And uh, the, they used to come in and shred my paper at, at a price for the day right. for the vehicle, and I, I used to rent it in effect and. Uh, after a year, they came back to me and said, you know, they got into one or, one or two bits and pieces that they weren't happy about. Uh, but basically, they'd got large um, shareholders and, and they had a very minimal value in it. And they came to me and said that they were looking to get out of the industry. Would I be interested in buying the vehicle off them? And that's how I got into uh, shredding. So what kind of vehicle, like, was it the kind of shredder you're running today, or was it sort of a hack-together truck with a shredder placed on the back? No, it was a shred, shred tech truck. Um, oh, okay. It's obviously one, one of the earlier machines. is what they call an ST20, which is, uh, you know, it used to run off an old, what they call a Wankel engine, you know, which is very similar to the old VW that you used to right. have. Right. You know, it worked off hydraulics, and um, we went on site and shredded the paper. Okay. It had a split split body in those days, and uh, the split body could just tip and uh, the recycling depot. But it, you know, it's very it's very similar to it was a shred tech machine, and then they've obviously moved on to and progressed into different vehicles right. along the way. Right. But from from the point of view of, of record storage, we've been in that probably since uh, two thousand and five. Properly, and uh, you know we used to dabble a little bit in the early days, and I used to store maybe a thousand boxes for a friend, and that, that's how we got into it. Like like a lot of people, we got into it by accident. Right. So you've got a single shred truck, and you're driving that around. Before you got into the records part of it, did you expand your trucks? Did you get more trucks, or was it still that first truck? 
No, we we were up to we were up to three trucks. We had an off-site vehicle and two mobiles, and then we in 2000 we set up a static shredding plant for off-site shredding, and uh, we we were shredding probably uh, I don't know a thousand tons a year at that stage, and it made sense to set up a baling plant and. Uh, you know, part of the facility there, we, we could actually do some, build some racking and, and start storing some boxes as well. Wow. Did you start this on your own? How did that all transpire? Was this your business? Uh, well, I've always run the business. In, in the early days, I had a sleeping partner who was a lawyer who, uh, who who was a personal friend as well. And he he was like a business angel. He put some money into it for the first truck. And then we built the business up from there. Wow. What does Shredall and SDS look like today? Because Shredall is your shredding company and SDS is the records company. So what's it look like today? Tell me sort of size and scope and staff and locations and that kind of stuff. Okay. From the, um, from the staff point of view, we employ uh, just short of 40 people wow. across the whole of the business. We have um, a static shredding plant here in Nottingham, and then we, we operate nine vehicles, which are mobile shredders and um, off-site shredding vehicles. We have a location in Glasgow in Scotland as well, which I got into through a friend who was, he'd had a bit of a fallout with his boss and, and was wanting to stay in the industry. So we got together and set up a partnership on that. And uh, he runs it for me up in Glasgow. And that would Although be just we, a couple of trucks or one truck up there? Yeah, two trucks, yeah. Oh, wow, wow. And in, I, don't, I don't know if you've ever been to Scotland, but Glasgow... Glasgow and Edinburgh, the two major cities of the world, but they're only about forty-five miles apart. So yeah. we, um, so that you know, they cover the the two main conurbations of Glasgow and Ed- Edinburgh. We also have a London sales office, which um, we we sell in and out of London. London's 100, 120 miles south of here. Okay, and uh, we we put shredding trucks down there often, overnight them out and uh, tip at a recycling depot or whatever they get full and then uh, hopefully the vehicles come back full here yeah where, where we tip the pay from Balaam right tell me about the document storage side of the business right I've always been a key member of Nade since 2000 and yeah. when I when I first went to Nade I I couldn't really afford to be be there it's the first time I'd ever been to the states and what have you and uh you know, it's a very small organisation. I was walking around and telling people that they had this kind of vision of doing shredding and storage. And like like most things in America, the good old Americans would say, "Oh, you need to go and talk to Jim over there. He's already done this." You know, and right. uh, and that and that cemented quite a lot of the thinking that I'd already got on it as a as a way forward. Yeah. Um, I then I was also visiting. The states and people like Marcus Gower. I don't know if you know Marcus Gower and Jeroen uh, Harink, who's a, who's a Dutchman. And I'd bumped into these guys as fellow Europeans, and, and I'd say, "Oh, we just started storing a few boxes," and they'd say, "Now oh, that's interesting. We've done that as well." And and all three of us had arrived at the same decision that it was a good fit to have shredding and, and storage as, um, as as a fit. So. Right. That kind of gave me confidence to go go a bit further with it, and um, you know we've we've learned the industry off the back of the other one, really. Yeah. And uh, we kind of work on the theory that if somebody's got boxes to store throughout the year before they shred it, then they might as well be utilising that space themselves and and um, 
and putting it out, and it gives us a good sell as a as a crossover sell between the two services. Right. And so that, obviously, if you started that in 2005, that's really grown as well, significantly. It has, yeah. I mean, the last year, we've, you know, we've had a great year with it. We've, we've doubled the size of the business this year. Wow. And um, we're up to uh, somewhere like 130,000 boxes that we store, or cons. Do you call them cons or boxes, you guys? We, we call and, them boxes uh, or cartons or cubes or whatever, but... <laughs> Right. Everybody calls them well, something we, different. Money. They most people call them money. <laughs> we we call it we, we call them boxes, but we we also have um the facility that we've got here is fifty three thousand square feet and um it has a, a basement area underneath the main flooring area. Right. And and the basement locks up as a as a total vault at nine. It used to be used for well, it was it was owned by the coal board originally and used as an archive by them. Wow! And then uh, a company after the coal board finished with it, they um, there was a company that used to do distribution of computers, and they liked this building because it the whole thing just bolted up with massive steel doors on it underground, and the the underground area is the same size as the main warehousing area above it, so it really lends itself to what we do here. Yeah. We've built a vault downstairs and we're just in the process of building another vault within a vault. And then we have a, one client who stores all their documents across the whole floor. And then above it, we have um 26 foot racking, steel racking that's storing boxes. You know, yeah. like I say, we're up to 140,000 boxes. Wow, that's fabulous. And so you, you're saying um, you're, you're doing vault and tape stuff are you doing any other sir are you doing scanning hard drive and media destruction all that kind of stuff you're you're full service at this point right yeah we are um the, the only thing we're probably a little bit weak on is is on scanning we we offer a scan on demand service which you know obviously if people want to get get files back quickly we'll do that as a scan on demand service right but, uh, in the in the main we're a, we're a traditional paper storage business where we retrieve a file, send the file back. We do backup tapes for people. We store something like 40,000 deeds. Wow. We do probate. I don't know if you have probate in, in the States, but, um, you know, probate's end of someone's life where right. they've, you know, sort their will out and whatever. Right. So you store those official documents as well? Yes. Yeah. This evolution of your business, starting out with a single shred truck to the point you are now, is shredding still a significant, like, 75% of your business? Or has the record storage vault really started to, you said you've doubled it this year. Is that the entire business or the, the record side of the business? Well, the, 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 the shredding is primarily the core business still. Right. And, right. Um, yeah, we'll probably do you know, something like 1.8 million in shredding and then, you know, six six to 700,000 in uh, record storage. Wow. Very cool. So, but that, but you're saying that record storage continues to just keep pumping away, which is, which is why it's so lovely. Yeah. One of our largest clients was a medium sized shredding client. That's now become a, our biggest client because the, the amount of storage that they have. Yeah. Wow. Looking back on the years, what were some of the major turning points? Obviously, you start with a truck. Uh, what were some of the major turning points you experienced along the way that made you feel like you were going to make it? We've always tried to manage the business out of the cash flow, and uh, you know, which is which is sometimes quite difficult to do that. 
you know, to grow another business off the back of back of the business from the cash flow as well is quite restrictive sometimes. But oh yeah. On the on the original site that we were on, we ended up having three facilities on there that was getting a bit, you know, kind of bowing at the seams, and I was spending half my time walking around the site. Whereas now we we're all under one roof, and uh, you know that's been a fairly fairly major thing for us to do. But it's also made the business a lot more manageable and actually made it grow quicker as well. Wow! So going back, if you could have done anything differently, what might have you have done? I think in hindsight, you know, if I if I could write the plan again, I would um, probably write a plan, borrow money to invest to grow the business. Whereas, you know, we've done it probably more hand to mouth than that over the years, which is, uh, like I say, it's a bit. It can be can be restrictive, but it's also keeps you know keeps you mindful of the control that you need to have to grow the business as well at the same time. So, right, you know, that that will probably. I think if if one thing stood out, I, I would ideally write a plan, make sure that the cash was in place to build the plan, and then take it in stages. Whereas we we tend to have done it a bit more in the early days. Anyway, finger in the air. It seems like a good idea, and we'll go with it. Right. Did that ever that lack of significant capital investment from somebody else? You know, it, it, it has its detriment, but I assume now with the at the stage you're at in terms of the, the revenue and growth of the business that uh, the numbers are looking pretty good as an owner of the business. Yeah, it's, it's obviously, um, you know, turned turn something over a corner in the last few years, yeah. Yeah, that's cool. One of the things I said when I first introduced you is you're, you're one of my heroes, and uh, I, I've watched you many years. We've had lots of interactions over the years, and... I think you you do some really cool stuff. So let's spend a little bit of time on some of the secrets of your success. What what do you think got you there? So what are some of the most important factors that have allowed you to grow this business so significantly? I think it's what we what we've tried to do from a, a marketing initiative is is try and keep a fun element to it of of something that is a relatively serious business. You know, and we uh, we definitely try and sell the business as a, as a people business you know it's our people and we want them to be visible to to our marketplace we've done uh, in the in the very early days when we were just trying to build a brand we sponsored our local we're quite lucky that we have an ice hockey team here in nottingham there's only about six or seven of them in the uk but um you know we sponsored the uh, players helmet so every time the new player would sign sign for the club the player would appear on the back of the evening paper with his with his helmet on, and put our name smack across the back of the evening paper. And we, within about a fortnight of having that, we uh, had a mass pile out where the um, both teams came over the wall and had a mass brawl on the ice, which uh, happened right in front of the house. We were sponsoring the home team's players' area at that time, you know, so we got yeah. a lot of exposure, and it made national television because of the because of the size and frosty of the, of the fight, really, which gave us great exposure for, for what we're paying it as a marketing initiative. It was, it was excellent. Well, you'll be and, thankful um, to the Canadians for, for getting involved in the fight. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean, this, you know, the, uh, I, I presume you've probably played it over the years, but, um, you know, the, it was a good sport, and it was good to get all, all, the, uh, all the staff involved in it at different levels. You know, we'd sponsor matches and 
fake flags along and all that type of thing. You right. It's actually raised the profile for us quite quite considerably, really. Oh, that's And we cool. obviously picked up a few clients off the back of it as well. Yeah. That marketing desire to sort of be become fun and put your people out there, where did that knowledge come from? Because I've seen your stuff over the years, and I want to talk about a few of them, but that comes from somewhere. Where, where did that instinct come from? I'm not sure, but it, it is something that comes relatively easy to me. Yeah. Um, I, my, my background was, you know, I worked in print and for years, and, uh, you know, you used to be around advertising people and advertising agencies, sales promotion, things like that. So, you know, maybe, maybe some of that rubbed off, but um, I don't, like most things in marketing, you know, it's very difficult to justify your budget sometimes, you know, when you're trying to build a business and you try different things, you don't know whether they're going to work, you know, perhaps... I think we've been lucky with it. You know, probably we've spent perhaps a bit too much money that we should have done on occasions. But, um, you know, every now and again, we kind of rein in again and start again. Right. To me, you're well known for, I don't know how well you're known in the industry, but I know you very well because I, I have them and I actually show your some of your marketing materials to to clients in hopes that they get it. And that's the whole the, the whole calendar you did with your, your drivers. Tell us a little bit about the, the calendar idea. Well, the, the calendar used to work from the point of view that um, we never we never used to send the calendar out at, at the traditional time of December, so people had got a ca- calendar for January. We did it more, so we would distribute it at the end of January, so people were getting it in February. And the, the reason for that was that, um, you know, we used to get a get a, a bumper rise in orders straight after Christmas where people had thought about doing a general tidying up of their stuff or whatever and then you know they want to get all the shredding done right and then we we decided that we want to get our name in front of everybody at the end of the month or by the first of february when all the year-end stuff was starting to come live and you know we wanted to put our name in front of everybody so we used to run the calendar february to february and it it was fairly unique that we were actually sending stuff out in for the 1st of February, because most people would be doing it with Christmas cards or a Christmas gift or whatever, just, you know, where, you, where you're kind of bombarded with this stuff. Yeah. And uh, it gave us a bit of exclusivity, which which worked very well for us. Oh, that's so We cool. also did a couple of madcap things where we, uh, you know, we sent all our customers a love heart on Valentine's Day, you know, which had a wobbler thing on it saying, Shredder loves you, you know, and all this kind of stuff, which... That, that one didn't work quite as well as the uh, calendar, calendar did. And we actually get people ring up now and say, when's the calendar coming out? You know, because hey, people like to see half-naked guys lying around their office. I mean, we did it. It's a very, very simple tank card, but uh, we did one off the back of the... There was a new Bond film coming out, and, uh, you know, we had the guys... Uh, my operations guy was in his tuxedo, and the rest of the guys were all stripped down to the jockeys with just a a bow tie on and a couple of guys were in in bins with a martini glass or whatever you know and it was fairly cheap and easy to put together but um but the visual effect of it worked very well for us well and i think that's the interesting part because you you not only put one piece together which was send it at a unique time which is a, another time to get in front of your clients but you also did something that relied back on what seems to be your you know a marketing positioning thing which is we're fun we're we're interesting and we we put our people in front of others and so you strip your drivers down to basically 
you know, they're, they're undershorts and, you know, they're all pretty beefy guys. Even I think your son Nick was in one of the ones, ones I saw and the, the whole group of them, that's, that has a monstrous effect. I mean, fire, firefighters and that do that firefighters and police associations do that here in the, the U S anyways, to, to raise money. Uh, I, I think it's just such a cool and, uh, incredibly attractive idea to people because it just it says something different that nobody else is usually willing to say yeah i think that's true and and obviously the guys who were on the calendar were appearing in the offices that they were actually servicing as well so <laughs> as, they, as they changed around on routes or whatever you know the the girl who you know perhaps in an office who had been fancying one of the guys who was actually walking in the door you know and yeah it kind of worked kind of worked very well for us yeah oh that's hilarious so what else? I mean, when you get when when you get these guys together, of course, they, uh, you know, none of them want to have the photograph taken, and by the end of it, they're you know they're almost porn stars. You know, <laughs> they, uh, <laughs> get a bit carried away with it. But uh, so, but, uh, ha- have you ever been in the calendar? I'm always behind the camera. You're I'm the, cam- always, you're the been, camera dude. Well, no, I'm, I just make them laugh behind the cameraman. You know, when normally get a pro cameraman, and then. Uh, you know, I just I just make them laugh or give them insults or whatever to you know to make them all laugh so they uh, so they we get the shot. Yeah. What else are you doing to keep your business growing and vibrant? What are those What are those other kinds of things that you're doing that you feel like are working for you? Okay, on, on the marketing initiative, I mean, we've got a couple of things going at the moment where we're we're writing to our clients, asking them what they'd like to see shredded, and and uh, you know, away from the norm that if it's I don't know. It's, a tacky Valentine's gift, or you know, we've got a pet hate of rubber ducks or teddy bears or whatever. We're going to we're going to start this shred of the month and try and get a a bit of a thing going on it where um, a client, you know, it can be Jill in Leicester or whatever, hated a rubber duck. So then we'll get hundred rubber ducks going up the, up the bell, shred it, and then. There's quite a bit of artistic license with this, of what can actually come out the end of the hopper. Right. And um, and is is what we're trying to do with it is is to get um, some initiative going where people are actually you know we're doing a countdown on it on the website and things like that, so people are coming on and looking to see when we're actually doing the next one and and get a bit of a following on it, which uh, which you know we're hoping could work quite well for us. And uh, a lot of our marketing initiative now is to actually drive people to our website as opposed to doing pay-per-click and things like that, which seems seems to have, you know, probably run its course now. And, uh, you know, it's what we're trying to do is, is find different ways of actually driving people to us as opposed to we go out and, and, and find them. Right. That yeah. makes sense. Oh, it makes perfect sense. And I, and I think you, you've touched on a couple of major points. One is, is really having a cohesive direction you're taking uh, but bringing them back to your website, because I, I think the website is still a really important piece, but I, I agree with you, and we've seen significant shift in, in terms of, of pay-per-click and that with the, the cost of clicks so ex- exponentially high now. It's, you, know, you can send three to four um, you know, pieces of mail for the same cost as a click now, so why wouldn't you target your audience a lot more efficiently with direct mail to get them to come to your website. And once they're there, they start learning all the cool things that you're doing. Yeah, and, uh, uh, another initiative that we're looking at as well is on this, on the theme of your book, really, where, uh, you know, you are the brand. And we're, we're trying to build Lucy's image up. Um, you know, people who've known Lucy, 
my daughter Lucy that yeah. she, uh, you know, she's quite out there when she gets going, and uh, we're, we're building a theme like you just said, really, on based on Here Comes Lucy on the old uh, the fifties TV show where we're probably going to do some cartoon characters on postcards and. Uh, here comes Lucy, and then and then we're going to run a film on the on the website that's going to have images of Lucy's hands or Lucy's legs. You know the the original Lucille Ball. Right, right. And then and then at the end of it, you know, if you'd like to talk to Lucy, here's Lucy, and then you know we're going to show Lucy in front of millions of archive boxes and all this type of thing. And you know we think this because of it, a name and the image that we're going to try and project there to bring it through should actually get people biting. And then, you know, Lucy's pretty good at uh, when she's got, when, when she's got them biting, she'll nail them, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, that's great. So what keeps you up at night? What worries you right now? And nothing worries me really. I, you know, I sleep, sleep extremely well. The, uh, I have a bit of paranoia about a fire, you know, every now and again, but, uh, you know, we've been strong into compliance, and that's something that we've built over the years where um, ISO is not that strong in the U.S., but we've put a lot of effort into ISO structure for 9,000, 14,000, and 18,000, which are 18,000 is a health and safety. Oh, okay. Um, and then 14,000 being an environmental spec. Um, and then 9,000, we get audited on all our systems. And I think because... Because we've got good compliance, you know, that, that helps me sleep at night, really, to know that we're running the business in a very professional manner. Right. So what what are some of the big things you're learning right now at this stage of your life and career? I mean, you've been at this for a while. Uh, you've had other careers, and, and you're you're getting to a point your kids are now involved in the business. What are some of the things you're learning and, and sort of realizing about uh, business, about this type of business, record shredding uh, what are what are some of the big things that you feel like are light bulbs uh, coming off in your head at this point in time? I think one one of the you know the biggest thing I tell to my my staff here, my people here, is that you know this is the first day that I've been at this stage, you know, and they, every, everybody thinks it's all about them, and you know they've got a problem or they're growing or whatever, you know. But uh, you know I've never never run a business that's at the size it is now and you know they are big challenges to me the leadership challenges of it and I've, I've been putting quite a lot of effort into that uh, this year along the lines of you know the need um, guest speaker Gittimer and, and the session that you did and you know I'm really trying to um, make sure that I'm you know I'm getting it right at the top where I'm trying to lead the business right. and then Hopefully, the people that I've given the chance to below that, my management structure, um, you know, there's, there's a lot of people there who are working extremely hard, and it's, and it's taken a while to build the team, you know, and that hopefully all that's coming into fruition now and going to give us a great future. Yeah. So, if you could go back to February of '97 when you started the business, what advice, coming from where you are now with the knowledge you have, what advice might you give yourself to prepare for the the unfolding story that was going to be uh, shred all? I think I'll probably take more risk, to be honest with you. And uh, you know, I suppose you have to be a risk taker, and I have taken risks, but I I do find that um, 
one of the you know I'd like to think I've, I've taken risks and the, and the hunches have worked for me but knowing from hindsight that, that probably mentally I've thought it through in, enough times before I actually stuck my toe in the water and had a go I would actually take a, a great more risk which will probably get us to where we want to be quicker maybe yeah. um, but uh, you, you know again that's a learning curve right. I'd you know, I would like to have been in started. You know what I what I've created when I was thirty, rather than you know I'm kind of in my mid fifties now. Which um, you know I, I still I still work a lot. Where a lot of people, are, you know, my age and generation are kind of thinking about winding it all up. But I, you know, I do love coming to work. I've got a got a great set of people around me, and I keep saying to them, you know, why don't you take it off me, and why don't you do this, why don't you do that. And they all keep telling me that I'm making a contribution, you know. So, uh, you know, it keeps it keeps it fresh and it keeps it interesting for me every day of the week. Yeah, oh, that's great. So, what's your dream for the business? Your your two children are involved in the business in a significant way, but I suspect that this baby of yours, this business that you've built over the years, and now that your children are involved in, you've got a dream for it. What is that dream? Well, first of all, I'm extremely proud of my children. They. Uh, you know, they're also my friends and um, and they're my co-directors, you know, which is quite a, a unique, um, you know, it doesn't happen that often these days that people kind of still run family businesses. But, uh, you know, it was never intended to be that way. I mean, Lucy, Lucy did politics and European sciences at, at university, you know, so why she's storing boxes, I, I do not know. But, uh, <laughs> and, you know, Nick's, Nick's always, uh, he's been a shredding guy and, and loves it. And, uh, you know, and he, he acts as our, our sales director now and drives the sales for us. And, and again, he's doing a great job on it, you know. And uh, I think I, uh, you know, I keep trying to teach them something every day so that it cuts the corners of where, you know, they don't join the business at the level that I did. And, you know, which, which is, you know, people think that... Um, you know, parents always lay it on a plate for the kids, which is not not necessarily true. You know, and there's, I'm not proud of the fact either. But sometimes I've probably been harder on them than I have on other individuals. Yeah. And, uh, you know that unless you've actually been in the position, you know, you don't you don't always know. You just assume, don't you? You know, whereas um, you know, I'm I'm proud of what they've become, and you know, they're very good young professionals, and probably one of the best assets that my business has got. Yeah. Um, for the for the future, you know whether I where I go if I start slowing down, I find that if I have more time to myself, I can then come up with better ideas for the business really, which which is good, good for the business, and I can come in and in, you know put some of those plans in action. But yeah. um, you know where we're we going, we're in, we're enjoying the ride. I'm you know we have an ambition to build the business to a five million pound turnover business at the moment and that's where we're all going with it and you know we're reaching a state where like that is becoming very possible reality that we can either you know go on the acquisition trail or you know to grow the business quicker right um but uh, you know we've won some fabulous work in the last 12 months you know people it's almost been embarrassing why people have been talking about recession and double dips and what have you you know we've we've won Seven public service contracts in the UK because we do things right. We've been we've been scoring 97 to 100 percent on all these tenders that we've been putting in. You know, which is 
a great testament to, to the effort that the staff have put in, getting all the systems in place and, you know, the references that our clients give us, et cetera, et cetera. You know, and I think we're in a strong position to move forward, really. Wow. Well, that is very cool. And, and Lloyd, like I have said, you're a hero of mine. I, I love the, the work you do. I love watching what uh, you and your team, uh, Nick and Lucy, and the rest of your team produce in terms of marketing, in terms of direction. And I, I'm really appreciative of you taking the time to tell us a little bit about it and your story. And uh, continued success, I truly believe you'll hit five. Uh, without question, no problems. You'll get there, and uh, it's been a pleasure to watch you along the way. And thanks for sharing the show with us today. Okay, thank you. Well, there you have it. That was a great conversation with Lloyd. I am uh, so grateful that he took the time to to chat with us today. The the stuff that they're doing is is really quite cool. And if you have a chance to meet Lloyd at a at a conference, if you get a chance to uh, check out some of the things that they're doing, I, I'm I'm really constantly blown away. And I feel like I push many people to do innovative stuff with their marketing. And Lloyd's always doing innovative things in his marketing. And I hope that you learned something from that today. I appreciate you being here. I always appreciate your time that you invest in this show. And uh, as a result, I want to remind you that uh, the people that help make this possible are good friends over there at O'Neill Software. They continue to do really interesting stuff. And I hope that uh, if you're going to the PRISM conference in a couple of weeks in Vegas, that you'll take the time to go and talk to them. Their RM Bridge product is uh, really quite innovative and worth a look. It's something that it, I think is going to start changing the industry. And I think it's worth you taking the time to investigate it. And, you know, uh, really good people there. So you can check them out yourself at O'Neill neilsoft.com that's it for us and we are going to go back into another week and see what happens in this week so i hope you have a great one have a great weekend and we'll talk to you next week we are out of here thanks for joining us on the rim pro report with tom adams if you enjoyed the show, please tell others. Our website is www.rimproreport.com where you can find show archives and a whole lot more. This broadcast is produced and hosted by Flourish Press Incorporated. Join us again soon.